0: Hello and welcome to the Conclusion of the Matter podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ren Ferguson, and with me is Ryan Weaver. Uh, As Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. We're glad to have you all back this week, and hopefully it will be an encouraging lesson, something for us to learn a lot from and so Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce what we will be talking about?
1: Well, oh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about the household of God, um, specifically from the verses found in Ephesians chapter two, uh, starting in verse 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 nineteen and going through twenty-two. So we're going to read those, and then we're going to kind of dive in and you know just bounce some ideas around, and hopefully uh, we come up with something out of this study, and you guys can you know get something get something from it as well. So I'm going to go ahead and read. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So in this in these four verses there's a lot to unpack, Ren. So um, <clears throat> so first of all, what what do we what's he referred to him as or no longer as is probably right. the better better question. The
0: strangers and aliens and as we get into this, we've said it in all of our lessons so far, context. Uh, if we which we won't take a whole lot of time to go through all of this, but if we backed up to verse 11, basically what he is talking about here is how Gentiles specifically were once alienated from Christ because they had yet to hear or yet to obey the gospel. But now, because of Christ and the sacrifice that he made, the Jew and Gentile were able to join in together into the same body I believe it's in verse 14 where it says, For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. I'll go ahead and read verse 16 too. It says, And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So he's describing that hostility that was between Jew and Gentiles because of the law of Moses. But because of the sacrifice of Christ, he took that law away, taking away, I guess you could say, that source of hostility, and then brought the two into one body, which is the church. And so there at the beginning of verse 19, when he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, he's talking more specifically to the Gentiles, which has... Of course, special application For to us, us, right? Right, man. because all of us listening to this most likely are of Gentile descent, uh, and of course, no one at this point is really able to trace back their genealogy to Abraham when Jerusalem was <laughs> destroyed in eighty seventy, anyways. Right, uh, and so yeah, how we were separated from God, we were strangers and and aliens. But I see, oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, you see there where you read in verse 16, reconcile us both. And that both right. Im- implies there's two parties there, right? Um, but I think the broader context, you go all the way back to chapter. Chapter uh, verses one, one and one through three, where it talks about how they were dead in their trespasses; mm-hmm. they were they were separated from God as well, not only because right. of the Commonwealth of Israel, but because of their sins. Mm-hmm. And that's important to us too, because at one point in time, we as well were. Um, he says there, um, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, um, dropping to verse 3, he said, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. So that was also something that they were also a foreigner in that concept mm-hmm. as well. Right. And and they've been brought close once again by the right. blood of Christ into that, right. as we're going to see the church, as you mm-hmm. as you spoke
0: about there. Right. And I think that kind of goes back to that, that idea that we often talk about, Isaiah 59 and verse 2 even, that our sin separates us from God and of course, Christ providing that reconciliation for Jew and Gentile alike, because of our sins having separated us from Him, and again put us all into one body.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I was just going to say the other thing you think about strangers, aliens, um, sojourners mm-hmm. is another word, word right. used in depending on the version, but they don't get the full benefit of a true citizen, citizen of yeah. said nation or whatever, right? So. Um, once we get into that household of faith, which we're going to get into, um, we're going to see that we get the full benefit a mm-hmm. um, right. couple ways. So
0: Right, and even going back with that to verse 3, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Exactly. Yep. And so in exactly. order for us to receive those spiritual blessings, we can't be the strangers and the foreigners, but we have to be, as he says, citizens. Uh, even as he mentions, as you mentioned just a second ago, citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And as always, I think whenever we look at biblical terminology, it's important for us to know exactly what he's talking about. And so what does he mean by members of the household of God?
1: Well, I think saints, I mean, if we look here at the very beginning of the book, who's he writing to? Right. The saints who are at Ephesus, which Mm -hmm. saints is used, you know, in the same context as Christian. You know, it's not what the world sees as a saint today, but when we look at this, we're saints, right? Right. So he's writing to members of the church, of the body, Um, so that's who they are, you know, who he's speaking to, but also when he says those that are, I find it interesting, he said fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. There's that universal context. It's not just those at Ephesus. You've got those at Colossae, mm-hmm. those in the area of Galatia, mm-hmm. uh, so it's all of those brothers right. and sisters, right?
0: Uh, and also think about uh, along with this First Timothy chapter one or chapter three rather, verse fifteen, where he says, "If you delay, you may know how you ought to, ob- or how you ought to behave, rather in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth." That same point that you were just making, he's. Talking about those fellow citizens, the saints, the members of the household of God, all of those are terms applied to those that are Christians, those that are members of the church, those that are a part of that body that we have been, of course, brought into by the blood of Christ.
1: Yeah, so I've thought of uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, where it talks about how he took us out of the domain of darkness and transferred Mm -hmm. us into his kingdom. And the kingdom is the the church as well. So we see that we've gone from point A to point B, and now we get the benefits of being in point B, which you referred to back in chapter 1, verse Mm -hmm. 3. All the spiritual blessings are found there.
0: Right. Uh, And then I guess moving on, he says that we are citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, and then this is really, I guess, where he gets into the meat of what we're, we'll be discussing in this, this podcast. Uh, he says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, I think there's some, some interesting things in, in that verse. Uh, and I guess we'll just take it in the order that he presents it. The foundation of the apostles. How do the apostles, how, or how are the apostles, a part of the foundation upon which the church is built?
1: So, so I, I think a couple ways. I mean, we see in Matthew 28, verse 20, as part of the Great Commission, go make disciples, baptize them, name the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I commanded you. Right. So they've been instructed to teach. And we look at John chapter 14, verse 26. Uh, I want to read that real quick. John chapter fourteen twenty-six. This is when he's talking about sending the Comforter, or the Helper, or the Holy Spirit. And they got their message from the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit via, you know, from God via the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26, um, he says, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So... Jesus has commanded them to go teach, right? Mm. And and you're going to get to the cornerstone, and we will explain what that means. Right. And then Paul says something similar in um, 1 Corinthians chapter, um, I don't remember exactly where it was, but he talks about he laid a foundation, and there is no other foundation right, but Christ right, Jesus. Right. So it's not their doctrine. That's how right. they, they are part of that base foundation, and in Acts chapter 2, Verse 42, after the first Christians were baptized there, it says they devoted themselves to what?
0: To the apostles' doctrine. Yeah, to the apostles' doctrine, the teaching teaching of the
1: apostles. So that's how they come into play into the foundation, I think. Right.
0: No, I, I completely agree. In fact, John 14 was a verse that I had because he promises them the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16 that he was going to lead them into all truth. And even, even thinking about Matthew 16, verse 18, where Christ told Peter that he would give him the keys of the kingdom. And, of course, we know keys open doors. doors they unlock right, things. Yeah. And then we see him with the other 11 on the day of Pentecost preaching that repentance and remission of sins, opening that door to, specifically at that moment, the Jews uh, to enter into the kingdom of God. And I agree wholeheartedly. I think that is how, that's is how—that's the role that the apostles play in that foundation because it was through them, and of course, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but it was through them that God delivered that message to the world.
1: The other thing, what I was going to add real quick was the interesting thing is it gives validity to the apostles, to the other right. letters in the Bible. You know, people will say, well, Jesus didn't say that. Right. That's Paul's opinion. Well, what did you just say earlier? It was Paul, Peter, and the others, but through who?
0: The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah.
1: But it gives validity to what they taught, right? right? We have to We have to take it and say, well, right here it says that their teachings were part of the mm-hmm. foundation of Christianity.
0: Right. right, and they make reference of that constantly throughout their writings. Uh, just a couple of passages, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23. Whenever Paul is correcting that issue regarding the Lord's Supper in Corinth, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night uh, when he was betrayed took bread. He, he again is making reference to the fact that it was not their tradition. It's not something that he was coming up with that he expected the Corinthians to obey, but that he received that from God. Another verse that I love is is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And again, I mean, that's just two of the dozens of verses that make similar statements, how what they had, what they were teaching was not from man. It was not of their origin, but it was in fact, of course, from from God, and so uh, I agree. I think that's that's the way that the apostles play that role in being the foundation for the church or an aspect of the foundation.
1: Um, so I was going to move on to the to the the cornerstone mm-hmm. aspect and in, in the building aspect, it was the first stone that was laid, and it was set in a way that it aligned everything else. Right. So that tells me that there that the apostles doctrine had to align with Christ mm-hmm. for it to be built in a in a in a way pleasing to him. So it's that it's the the first stone, Christ was the first, right? right? And then he had the the apostles mm-hmm. and they became laying the foundation as well. Right. So he is the, the it has to be built off of him. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is you can't lay this cornerstone here and then start laying the foundation di- you right. know across yeah. across the yard. Right. You need to start. That's the whole purpose. This gets you square and in mm-hmm. a standard. Right. So
0: right, him being that that most crucial aspect of it and and of course he mentions the apostles but also the prophets. The prophets,
1: good point. Going yeah.
0: back to and again, I think that's Personally, to me, that's the most intriguing part of of this foundation because we think about the prophets. We think about them being thousands of years ago. How do they play a role in what we're doing? How does that relate to Christ? Well, it's because they were constantly prophesying about the church, prophesying Mm -hmm. about Christ. And so even though the apostles and the prophets do play a role in that foundation, as you just pointed out, Christ is that chief cornerstone, which I think is what Peter says in 1 Peter 2 if I'm not mistaken, quoting that Old Testament passage about Christ being the chief cornerstone, how it is, as you talked about, that stone upon which the rest of the foundation was to be built, and without that stone, the foundation would crumble. It would fall apart. And so, yes, the apostles' prophets are important, but they are nothing, in a a sense, compared to Christ.
1: And if they're not aligned with it. Right. right, Exactly. If they go off on their own tangent, Mm -hmm. That that building is not going to stand, um, it, and you bring up the prophets, which is which is which is great because it made let me immediately made made me think of Daniel, where he's he's um, telling Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of that vision mm-hmm. and what came what was cut out of the mountain,
0: a stone, a stone a run, right yeah.
1: and and what was the representation that was the church the church Christ, right because yeah. it was going to crush the, right crush the other kingdoms but this kingdom was not going to fall uh-huh. and. I mean, right here, that's part of the
0: the doctrine. Yeah, exactly. Christ being that chief cornerstone, his kingdom, his kingdom being established as, going back to Daniel, never being destroyed, an Mm -hmm. everlasting eternal kingdom. Uh, Christ being that chief cornerstone and how upon him and from him all things need to be built. Because I think about Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, "...all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth." If we are a part, going back to the general context of this passage, if we are a part of that church, if we have been reconciled by the blood of Christ, if we are a part of that one body, should we not base everything that we do off of Him and what He teaches and what He has revealed to us?
1: He's the head, right? Right, exactly. And we should follow the head.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And so how are we, I guess one question that I had is how are we to be built upon Christ? Uh, just, I guess, something a little bit more practical for us to think about. And it I I guess in my mind, it takes me back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Again, kind of taking along that same... Imagery, what we're seeing in Ephesians chapter 1, Christ being the chief cornerstone, Christ being the foundation. Verse 25, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but did, not, but did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it." And so if we're to be built upon Christ as our chief cornerstone, as the rock, I think he lays out yeah. clearly what, what that means. That means that we hear his word, so we know it, but then we obey it mm-hmm. and follow it. And that's how we are, are built up on Christ.
1: And, and I finally found the 1 the Corinthians reference I was looking oh. for earlier. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 10 specifically in this context, Paul writes, "...according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master..." Skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Then in verse 11, he goes on Mm -hmm. and explains that foundation is Jesus Christ. Right. But he says, take care how you build upon it. And and you have to follow the Word, Mm -hmm. and and you're literally building a building in your life. Right. And following the Gospel, or following the Word of God, gets us—are we building in alignment with Jesus' teachings, Mm -hmm. or are we going off on a tangent ourselves?
0: right. Uh, exactly. Building up accurately, truthfully, being, I guess you could say, flesh with with our foundation. Uh, do you have anything else no. on that, mm. no, that particular part? Um, I guess continuing on into verse 21 then, it says, In whom, again Christ, the whole structure, the church, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Another reoccurring teaching, I guess, throughout the New Testament, as opposed to the physical temple that the Jews were so accustomed with. We, as his church, are a spiritual temple, that household of God. I think even, let me double check this, but I think that's one of the terms that Peter uses in First Peter chapter 2. I think it's verse 5. Uh, where he says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So again, being built up on him, our foundation, being joined together. That idea again of that unity that we have, that peace that we have ought to have with one another, being joined together.
1: Yeah, and I I find it interesting there that it says, in him... That's where the growth comes from, right? You know, we have to work together. Ag- agreed, but it kind of goes back to you know where Paul said, "I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the, gave the increase? God gave the increase." And here we see that that the growth is through Christ. And very similar, if you if we go to chapter four in, in verse. Um, Sixteen, very similar mm-hmm. uh, analogy there. He says, "From the from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is e- which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up self up in love." The the difference I see there is that he's added there each part works properly, mm-hmm. so each person has to work properly, right. and just like a physical body, we yeah. have members that. You know, do do certain things, right. and, and we have to work cohesively um, to get that growth.
0: Right, and that's the same illustration that he uses again in First Corinthians chapter twelve. That physical physical body, everything needs to be working properly in order for it to produce those results yeah. that we're striving for. And as you're saying, the same is true of of the church.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I that I had noted here was in that First Corinthians reference in verse thirteen. We were all baptized into one body, right? Which tells us, hey, how do you get into this household? Right. Which isn't specifically called out in the verses mm-hmm. here, but that's because these these Ephes- these these Ephesian Christians have already been baptized. Right. But right. he tells the, them there at Corinth is that we were all baptized into one body. Yeah. So it's not like well. I'm with, you know, he was dealing with more of mm-hmm. a of a division in Corinth at times. Like I'm with Apollos, right, I'm with, right. but it's like we should all be together for mm-hmm. Christ. So um, agreed. It's it's he uses the analogy in multiple places where it's it's a it's a physical body and the members work together. I mean, if your body didn't work together, you you would have problems, right? right? right. If this if this right hand did what it wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, so that's 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 what he's saying is the fact that the growth is through Christ, but the members have to have to pro- properly function together.
0: Right. And I think you making uh highlighting that point how we're baptized into one body is is a good point to highlight because we talked about verses 11 through 18 how he had reconciled the gentiles, how he had made peace, how he had joined us making for himself one new man. Well, how does he do all of that? How does he add us to that body? How do we become reconciled to him? Again, I think that verse in 1 Corinthians 12, we're baptized into that one body. And that's how we become a part of this, this holy temple in the Lord, to be joined with other Christians, to do what we have been talking about, to work with them to grow and and build Upon that foundation, which is it's Christ,
1: so going back to the each part working properly, it it, it puts a responsibility on each one of us right. to build each other up, not tear each other down. Mm-hmm. you know and that's that's the central message of Christianity. Christ put others' interests before his own, Philippians chapter mm-hmm. two, right? right? And that's the message for us is to put others' interests before our own, build each other up, don't tear each other down
0: right. Do you have anything else on on that? Uh, okay, I guess the last verse of this chapter, then in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Uh, this is very, just kind of him continuing along, I guess, with that same, same idea. Notice, I think it's interesting how at the beginning of 21 and 22, It says, in whom, referring back to Christ, and then in him, referring back to Christ. This constant reminder of who that true foundation is, who the chief cornerstone is. It is Christ. So in him, we are being built together into Mm -hmm. that dwelling place for God.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's how this this kingdom, this church, this body is different than every other institution on earth, is that... It's not about us, right? It's right. about Christ. It's about God. Whereas in other places, you know, you you run for a position or mm-hmm. you you know, it's right. different. Who's the focus here?
0: It's God. Without Christ. God, without yeah. Christ, we have nothing. We ha- exactly.
1: Yeah. So I think that's. A, I mean, he's stressing it in Him through right. Him. This is based on His teachings. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good good call out there.
0: Right this whole passage reminding us of that unity that we have in Christ and being built up on him as you as you just pointed out him being that focus and center of everything that we are as Christians and as his his church and his household do you have anything else
1: yeah i think that um this parallels well it doesn't parallel but it's very interesting because when Paul was at Athens in Acts chapter 17, mm-hmm. and part of that discourse, what did he say? He said, this God I'm presenting to you does right. not dwell in temples made by hands, men's hands, yeah. right? It's not the building. Mm-hmm. You know, some people consider the auditorium as
0: the sanctuary, the sanctuary yeah. or
1: a holy place. It's it's not. Right. I mean, he lives in us as the body, mm-hmm. right? right? And that's what that's what we're seeing here is that He's living within us. Right. It's not the brick and mortar mm-hmm. that he's contained in, right? right? It's, it's, it's not that. Right. So,
0: and again, kind of drawing that, that distinction between the old law and even a lot of the Greek pagan theologies having their temples, temples things of and, that right. nature, how it's that contrast between physical and spiritual mm-hmm. and how it's no longer about the physical temple, like Jesus told the woman at the well he says there's going to be you're going to worship everywhere wherever yeah. right
1: it doesn't matter exactly
0: right. because it's not that physical temple it's not a physical building it is the people that make up that building the people that make up that temple and dwelling place for god
1: and i think that we see this in first in first corinthians chapter 3 um i had it marked and now i lost it first corinthians <laughs> chapter 3 in verses um, sixteen and seventeen, Paul writes, "Do you not know that you are God's temple, and, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple." And I think in the con- in the greater context here, chapter one and, cha- and some and starting there in chapter three, he's talking about that division again, right. and it goes back right. to that. If we're divided in the body, mm-hmm. then we are doing what he says here, and we are destroying. Are breaking that temple apart. Right. I don't mean we're going to d- abolish the church in any manner because it's never going to be destroyed, but right. we're but weakening we in our local congregation yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and and here it says, "You are that temple." That's mm-hmm. what he finishes with. Right. And you need to take it serious how how you're how you're you know presenting yourself to God. I guess right. for lack of a better right. term.
0: Um, so yeah. That's, well, just just backing up and staying in First Corinthians chapter three. That's where he specifically mentions for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Mm -hmm. And so, like you mentioned, going back to that division, they were destroying that congregation in Corinth. And he is reminding them, do you not know that you are God's temple? And if anyone is destroying what he says, I mean, that's a very hallowing warning yeah if anyone destroys god temple god will destroy him and so like you said we we ought to be very careful and mindful of how we treat our brothers and sisters because we are all a part of this spiritual household and if we are harming our brothers and sisters we're harming the church we're harming god's temple exactly and yep. that's that's a, not going to go well, well for anybody. exactly
1: yeah that's uh I don't, want to, I don't really want to answer for that. I no. think if you go uh, – he writes something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 um, where he talks about um, basically unequally yoked with unbelievers. What does light have with darkness? And he said, what accord has Christ with belial and what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever what agreement has the temple of god with idols for we are the temple of the living god Mm -hmm. and then he goes on and he quotes from um several old testament passages leviticus isaiah going back to that prophet you know approach that right i will make my dwelling place among them right and he says they will be fathers and daughters they're going to be mm-hmm. in the family. They're right. not going to be foreigners, you know. Right. So going back to that, being brought into that nation, brought into mm-hmm. that family, um, reminded in Romans um, chapter uh, don't um, Romans chapter eight where it says we've been adopted. Right. You know, we've yeah. been ad- once you're adopted, you get the full benefit of that family. And, and I know adoption in family is different than nation, but the same concept is there. Right. So you're no longer foreign or unknown to that that family.
0: Right. And this I guess this is kind of on track. Uh, I remember... I mean, it's I out remember, of the Bible, so we're good. Well, I, I remember, I think it was Terry uh, in one of the afternoon class uh, was highlighting the point of there's a difference between biological children and adopted children, mm-hmm. because adopted children are the ones that you chose not saying that you love right, the yeah. love the physical Agreed. biological mm. ones any less but it's that idea of us being god's chosen people mm-hmm. because we have of course submitted to him and obeyed him and being a part of that body and being brought into his his family
1: and i think you know this is this is talking about Christ but Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 and I'll try not to sing it you know yeah. i've been crucified with Christ nevertheless, right. nevertheless i live i mean he says it's not i who live it's Christ was Christ really living was Christ making the decisions no, for him absolutely no. not but his point was I put Christ's thought process in my life, and that's what we need to do, right? right? I mean, we are representing God here. We don't want, to your point, Mm -hmm. have to answer for misrepresenting or tearing down God's
0: institution. Right, but building upon that foundation, going back to our text, that chief cornerstone, uh, building up the church, being joined together, encouraging one another, strengthening one another so that we can be that temple and that people and that church that he he desires for right. us to be. Exactly. You have anything else? I don't.
1: I think that is a, a good ending point. All right. I mean, good stuff. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. So. Yeah,
0: it really is. And so. and as always, I mean, these these lessons are typically about 30 minutes long, so there's really a lot more that goes into these verses and these passages. So I encourage you all to take a little bit more time and maybe do some of your own study, dive a little bit deeper into it. Absolutely. But uh,
1: And also email us and say, hey, yeah. could you dive right. into that a little more? Because we'd be more right. more than willing to. So. Yeah.
0: And as always, again, if you have any other topic suggestions, things of that nature, any questions about what we talked about, uh, feel free to either email us or send us a message on Facebook and we'll try uh, to get back with you.
1: Absolutely. And Christ is the chief cornerstone where all Mm -hmm. doctrine should be based upon, and that is the The conclusion conclusion of of the the matter. matter...